My brother has risen. I was getting worried about you again. How long was I out? Don't be mad, but... What? We welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem yesterday. Mary, why didn't you wake me? I brought you back palm branches, though, to keep. Mary? I wanted to let you rest. You barely slept at all since... Life is a little different when you've been brought back to it. Maybe so, but I still need you to rest. No, sister. I need to be where he is. I know you think you need to go out and find him right at this moment. But Lazarus, I need you to take care of yourself. I can't lose you again. me everything. What, what was it like? Uh, did, did he preach? Uh, did he perform miracles? Um, how many people were there? <laughs> well, there were people everywhere. Mm -hmm. He rode in on a donkey. Oh. And the road was covered in cloaks and palm branches. And everyone was shouting, Hosanna in the highest. We must have done that for hours. <laughs> I bet they could hear us all the way in Galilee. <laughs> you know, after you died, I was so mad at Jesus. At Jesus? Mary. I was dead, and now, now I'm alive. And it is only because of him. But he knew that you were sick. And it took so long to get here. And in that moment, I felt like you were dead because of him. Until I wasn't. And it was in that moment mm -hmm. that I realized that Jesus was everything we needed. <laughs> everything I needed. But nothing I expected. Yes, Mary, yes. He did not come here riding on a triumphant horse for glory to be allies with the powerful. He is power. He is glory. He is triumph. He's a king. But one that actually loves his people. Oh. He is a king that will go into death to save us. To stand in front of us. To call us out of our grave clothes. And to offer this life that only he can offer. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. He's the one. He is the king. And he's come to save us all. Would you bow your heads and would you pray together with me?
Lord God, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as together we meditate on your word for us, on your will for our lives. Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who is indeed our Savior and our King. Amen. So last week we celebrated what is my favorite holiday in the church. We celebrated Easter together. And uh, Clay, I can't get this to work. Can you try restarting it for me? Thanks. Let's try it now. Nope. You might have to just uh, advance it for me. Okay. Oh, there we go. I did it. Or you did. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, we'll find out. Um, uh, so we, it was Easter, and we celebrate Easter around here at Trinity, and in fact, in uh, many, many churches with those words, and let's try it again. I say, Christ is risen, and you say? What an amazing thing that is for us to say, that Jesus has indeed risen. But tonight, we heard of another resurrection story, right? The story of this man named Lazarus. And, and this story actually precedes the Easter story. And in fact, in some ways, this story is responsible for the Easter story. You see, when Jesus came to Jerusalem... Um, and then came to Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem, where, where Lazarus lived. And when he raised Lazarus from the dead, at the very end of our reading tonight, we heard that it said many of the Jews, seeing Jesus do that, believed in him. But not everyone believed in him. So we read a little further on in John chapter 11. It says some of the people went to the Pharisees, and they told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, in other words, they said, if we let him keep raising people from the dead, everybody's going to believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. The leaders were threatened by Jesus doing things like raising people from the dead. And so they determined that in that moment, on that day, they made plans to have Jesus put to death. So this Lazarus story is closely intertwined with the Easter story, isn't it? In fact, it's because of what Jesus did for Lazarus that he finds himself facing his own cross just a few weeks later. It's what Jesus planned. But back to the Lazarus story. Um, imagine what that must have been like for Lazarus. That, that video that we watched there uh, gave us maybe a little taste of what it must have been like for him after he had been called out of that tomb. Imagine what it would be like to be in the dark and in death and all of a sudden to hear those words, Lazarus, come out. You and I have heard those words. In First Peter 2, it says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. And look at what it says God has done for you and for me. He has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In a way, our story is also intertwined with the Lazarus story. We've been brought from death into life in a lot of ways, just like Lazarus. 
In fact, that's what Jesus was talking about. When with Martha, we heard him say recently, as, as Martha you know, was saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And, and he said, look, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. They were about to see that dramatically played out right in front of their eyes with Lazarus. But then Jesus says this, and it almost sounds like a contradiction. But he says, and everyone who lives and believes in me, that's you and me. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never really die. Never really die. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, because we are believers, because we are witnesses to his resurrection, our eternal life is already ours. He asked Martha a simple question, and I ask you that question tonight. Do you believe this? Do you believe that you already have that gift of eternal life? It's the gift that Jesus was talking about when he said this verse. And this is a verse we've been using a lot. It's kind of our theme verse here at Trinity for this year of ministry. Jesus said he's come that you and I, that we might have life and have that life abundantly. He's talking about eternal life. That that gift is already ours. So we might say this, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, alleluia. But, but really the reality is that we might just as easily say that because he is risen, I am risen. I am risen indeed, hallelujah. That is the truth that we have. That is the good news that Jesus came to bring us. But back to the Lazarus story for just a minute. There's this one moment in the story that I want to make sure you didn't miss because we're going to talk about it with the rest of the sermon tonight and then all of next week as well. It's the moment when Jesus has called Lazarus out of the tomb. So the stone has been rolled away. Jesus has spoken those words, Lazarus come out. And there he's come shuffling out of that tomb, still wearing the grave clothes. So he's alive, but he's not free yet, isn't he? And the fact is, folks, many of us live life in that moment, don't we? We've been given the gift of new life. We've been, we've been given this gift of eternal life. We've been called from death into life, out of the darkness into his glorious light. We are believers in Jesus. We've been given his love and his grace, and yet... We're still bound in the grave clothes. We still carry them around with us. That's what we want to talk about tonight. There's a great book, by the way. If you'd like to explore this more than just what we're talking about this week and next week in our sermons, the book is called The Lazarus Life, and it's written by a man named Stephen Smith. He's a former pastor who um, really realized that he was still wearing his grave clothes. And uh, God took him on kind of an amazing journey to get him to a point of living the abundant life God had planned for him. So I'd recommend that to you. But in that book, he talks about grave clothes this way. He says, sin is in the fabric of our grave clothes. So we want to talk about that a little tonight. In fact, we want to do what the writer to the Hebrews was talking about when he said, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Imagine... Lazarus walking out of that tomb in the grave clothes and then trying to run or get anywhere quickly. He couldn't have done it. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, the writer to the Hebrews encourages, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. There's sin in our grave clothes. 
And tonight what we're going to do is we're going to name them. We're going to give a name to those grave clothes because the Bible teaches us also that in names there is power. In in the book of Genesis, one of the first things that God asked Adam to do was name the animals. You might think that's kind of a weird thing for God to ask him to do. Why would they care what the names of the animals were? But you see, in the Bible, names have meaning. Um, One of my favorite examples of that is the name of Jacob. Remember Jacob in the Old Testament? Um, He had a brother named Esau, and uh, they were always fighting with each other. And in fact, Jacob tricked his brother out of his birthright and tricked his father into giving him the blessing. And uh, really, he deceived his his family. And do you know what the name Jacob means? It means deceiver. Names have meaning in the Bible. And so for Adam to name the animals, he had to learn about them first. And by learning about them, He began to do what God ordered him to do, and that is have a dominion over them. So tonight, we're going to name our grave clothes a little bit. In fact, what I'd like to talk to you about is the five most common grave clothes that we as Christians cling to. And the first of those is self-rejection. It's that little voice in your head that, that, that tells you you're not really as good as sometimes you'd like to think you are. Every once in a while, I get together with other pastors of large churches around our synod. And whenever I'm in a room with a bunch of other senior pastors, there's this little voice in my head going, you don't belong here. Look at those guys. They're all great leaders and great preachers and and from great Lutheran families. And what are you doing here? The interesting thing is they all have that same little voice going on in their heads too. It's that little voice in your head that, that says, if people only really knew me, then they wouldn't like me the way they do. It's that little voice in your head that tells yourself, I'm not really good enough. I'll never be good enough. I'll I'll never be pretty enough. I'll never be handsome enough. I'll never be strong enough. I'll never be smart enough. We've all got that little voice in our head. And there's another voice too. It's a voice of love. It's a voice of our God. And he says, "Um, I've called you my name. You are mine. He says things like, there's now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. He says to us, you are my beloved children. Self-rejection, the grave clothes of self-rejection is when we listen to that little voice in our head instead of the voice of our Heavenly Father. Here's another grave clothes that some of us carry around. It's the grave cloth of fear. Fear that our relationships are going to fail. Fear that, um, that, that we'll never be a good enough parent. Or maybe f- just fear about the future for our kids. Those of us that are parents, we know little kids, little problems. Big kids, big problems, right? And, 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 and there's an incredible amount of fear that goes into being a parent in, unless you're willing to entrust your child into God's hands. Fear about money. Will I have enough money to retire? Will I have enough money to pay the bills this month? Fear of job loss, fear of health issues, fear of where our world is heading and the politics that seem to be steering it, fear of those secret things that only we know that we're afraid that maybe someday someone else will find out about. Fear of change, fear that that change will bring new challenges that we're not up to face. What are the fears that keep you awake at night? They always seem bigger at night, don't they? Fear can be another set of grave clothes that we cling to, even though we've been called to new life. How about the grave clothes of guilt? 
We, we all sin, right? We, we admitted that earlier in the service. We confessed our sins. And, and, and by the way, guilt in and of itself is not a bad thing. In fact, guilt is a good thing. It is a gift from God. The, the weight of our sin drops us to our knees so that we will confess our sins, so that we will seek forgiveness for our sin. In the Old Testament, when David was confronted by the prophet Nathan for the sin that he had committed with Bathsheba, do you remember what David wrote in that psalm? He wrote that, that his guilt just pressed him down. He said, but then I said, I will confess my sins to God. And God forgave him. See, there's a goodly role for guilt in our lives. But here's the problem. All too often we cling to that guilt far beyond it being good in our lives. A little bit of guilt that draws us and drives us to God's forgiveness and grace is a good thing. But, but when even though we know we've been forgiven, we still carry that guilt with us and it continues to inhibit us, it becomes a grave cloth. Or maybe worse yet, it, it changes from guilt into shame. And shame is really the idea that guilt has gotten personal. Instead of me simply feeling guilty about something I've done, shame is when I start to then assign my identity to that thing I've done. And now it's just, yeah, I feel bad that I did that, but now it's that means I'm a bad person. Shame hits at who we are. It hits at our identity, and it flies in the face of the identity that God has given us, the new life he has given us. Just one more. How about disappointment? We live in a life where we have high dreams and expectations, but, but more often than not, those dreams let us down, don't they? Life never quite turns out as great as we expect it to be. We look out the window this morning and see the beautiful sunshine, and we walk outside to get the paper, and we realize it's a lot colder than it looked. Just a small um, sample of the disappointment that we can experience so often in life. So often life doesn't end up being what we expect it to be, and that's because we've expected life to be more than it should be. We've expected uh, the circumstances of our life to be where we find our hope and security and peace and joy and that's looking in the wrong place for those things. And so we end up with these unmet expectations. We go through life feeling like there's always that dark cloud over us. And we just know it's just going to be more of the same. And here's the problem with those grave clothes. The problem, if even though we've been given that gift of new life, is the grave clothes, well, they still stink. And, and the problem is, the reason God has set us free from sin and death, the reason he's given us that gift of new life is so that we can be a blessing to others. But if we're still wearing our grave clothes, they get in the way of us being that blessing to others, that us living out that mission that God has given us in life. So here's my challenge for you tonight. Which of those five grave clothes are the ones that you're having trouble letting go of? You know, last week we gave you a little uh, piece of, of cloth to remind you of those grave clothes. And by the way, if, if you didn't get one last week or you don't know where yours are, there's more in the back if you want to take one as you leave. Because I want to challenge you tonight. I want to challenge you this week to, to take that piece of cloth and to put on it. What's that grave cloth for you? Is it self-rejection? Do you, do you listen 
to those voices of self-doubt more than the voice of your Savior? Is it fear? Do you find yourself sometimes almost paralyzed by that fear, unable to act and do what you'd like to do or live the kind of life you'd like to live because of that fear? Is it guilt? Do you, is, is there something in your past that continues to plague you? Is there a guilt of something that you just can't let go? And even though you know you've been forgiven, it doesn't feel like it. Or have you let that guilt trip over into shame and, and now it's not just that thing in your past, but you've let that thing in your past define how you see yourself? Or is it that you just wanted more out of life than you've gotten? You feel like life has let you down. What's the grave cloth for you? That's the challenge tonight. To name it. Say, yep, that's the one. That's the thing that keeps me from living the full life that God has given to me. And I want to challenge you to give that to him. I want to challenge you to hear these words tonight. Just let them sink in a minute. These are from Galatians chapter 3. Paul wrote them. You are all children of God. Let me say that to you again. You are all Children of God by believing in Christ Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ as if he were your clothes. See, you don't have to wear grave clothes anymore. Tonight, he offers you a change of clothing. Clothe yourselves with Christ. Let, let Christ be your identity, your hope, your strength, your courage. Let him be the one that defines your identity. Now, folks, next week we're going to talk about those grave clothes a little bit more. In fact, next week we're going to take a look at what Jesus' plan is for you to be fully free of those grave clothes. But tonight, I just want to pray for you as we take a minute to turn those grave clothes over to Jesus. Would you bow your heads and would you pray with me? Lord, you've given us this gift of new life. And, uh, and, and Lord, we've heard your voice call us from the darkness into the light. We've heard your voice call us from death into life. But as we shuffle out of that tomb, we've still got our grave clothes. We still have that sin that, that, that we fight against. And that sin manifests itself in many ways in our life. And it prevents us from being all that you've created us to be. So Lord, tonight we pray that you would set us free. That you would remind us that in the waters of our baptism, you washed us clean. You gave us that gift of forgiveness and grace. You took away our grave clothes and you've given us a new robe of righteousness to wear. We are clothed in you. May that clothing that you have given us set us free so that we might live fully and completely the life that you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for spending some time in God's Word with us during this message. It was recorded live in worship at Trinity Church in Lyle, Illinois, where God is leading us on our mission to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Would you like to know more about a relationship with Christ or more about Trinity, who we are, what we believe, and where and when you might join us in worship or growth group. Please visit our website at tlc4u.org 
That's the letters T, L, C, the number four, and the letter U, dot org. May God bless you and yours abundantly through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening.